Welcome to the Dark Side of the Full Moon podcast. I'm Jennifer Silliman, and this show is continuing the conversations started in the award-winning first-ever documentary film about maternal mental health. My journey as an advocate began through the power of storytelling. With this podcast, I hope to create a community of women and professionals sharing their own powerful narratives to let others know they're not alone and help is out there. Keep in mind that some of the stories you will hear may be triggering, but it's important they be told. This podcast is not a replacement for professional help from a licensed medical provider. If you or someone you know is suffering due to a maternal mental health condition, please contact your medical provider or call or text message the Postpartum Support International Helpline at 1-800-944-4773. Now let's continue the conversation. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Dark Side of the Full Moon podcast. This is Jennifer Silliman, and I'm here today with Leslie Needell, and she is a licensed social worker in New Jersey. I'm so excited that you're with us today. So we're going to start with your personal story, and then we're going to talk about how it really, you know, the impact, and I talk with everyone always says it's such a big impact, but it is very common too that people totally switch careers. So then you had come become a licensed social worker just in August, right? Last August. So it's been a year. Okay. So share a little bit about, I know you have two kids, um, experienced postpartum anxiety, depression um, with both. So go ahead and and share that story with us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me to share my story. Um, Yes. So I had my first daughter, Rebecca, 10 years ago, and I was quite literally a shell of myself after she was born. It hit me out of absolutely nowhere. I had never realized that I had anxiety (laughs) in my life until after having her. And I'm convinced that having a baby sort of magnifies your personality. I think if you were silly, you become sillier. If you were an introvert, you become even more so. And I was apparently anxious and I didn't even realize it. (laughs) And now became even more so um, to the point that, you know, I was worrying about absolutely everything. I had a lack of a bond with her. I couldn't, you know, I called it going through the motions, taking care of her. And I really was not eating, sleeping. I was crying all of the time. Um, There was a lot of depression with it too. Um, And I'd say with her, my depression was my main symptom, but it also just, literally, like I said, become a shell of myself. Like my insides had disappeared and I got help really very quickly. My husband recognized that something was wrong. And at just three weeks after she was born, he was the one to kind of say, I don't think this is baby blues. I think maybe we should get some help. You know, why don't you call your OB and get therapist recommendation? And I think all the time about how hard that must've been for him to say to me, but little does, or for any partner to say to any woman, but it was like the first safety net that someone threw me, where I realized that maybe this isn't motherhood, maybe this isn't how it's supposed to be. Um, And I called a few different therapists that day, only two called me back of the three, and one of them just immediately got it and was my person and saved me, literally, from, I don't know what, Um, I was in a very severe depressive state. There was a lot of anxiety surrounding that and what have I done to my life? You know, all these thoughts about 
how this was a mistake when meanwhile, all I'd wanted my whole life was to be a mom. Like I just was always that person. And to have this hit me just really came out of nowhere and shocked me. Um, so I started seeing that therapist. I went on medication and gradually got better. And it took three years for me to commit to having a second. I knew I wanted more than one. And my husband was not convinced of that. This was a lot harder on him, I think, than I realized. But once our older daughter turned three, that's when I said, okay, I think I could do it one more time, knowing I had my therapist, I knew medication that worked, I knew warning signs at this point. Like I was in a much better place to begin to take care of myself and help myself should anything happen. So we had another and it was a different journey because this one was more the anxiety that I talked about before and just a little bit of depression here and there, but it was mostly anxiety about each of those bouts of crying. Is this the bottom dropping out? Is this when I fall down the cliff, right? Or off the cliff. So that never happened, but the anxiety about it happening enveloped everything. Um, at the time we lived in a two bedroom apartment and I would say to my husband, you know, the baby would sneeze. And I would look at my husband and be like, oh my God, we have to move. And he was like, what? And I was like, well, she sneezed. She had a cold. That means neither of them are ever going to sleep. I can't deal with no sleep. So they need separate rooms and we have to move. And he was just like, or the baby sneezed. Let's just move on and see what happens, <laughs> you know? But I couldn't take that step by step. I really just leapt to that immediate decision in my mind, kind of worst catastrophizing you could imagine. Um, but again, I went on different medication that time because it was different symptoms, but my therapist saw me through both and it really did change my life. It became my cause. You know, I'm an open book about everything all the time. Anyone who's known me since I was little can tell you that. And this was no different. I went on Facebook and I would talk about it. And I found, you know, Postpartum Progress was an online organization that I found that helped me get better and tell my story and fundraise and do advocacy work in all different ways. And that made my passion for this come alive. And at the time I worked at a PR firm in Manhattan and I had been there for I, uh, probably nine or 10 years at that point. And I just lost my zest for it. You know, it just wasn't the thing anymore that lit my fire. I knew that I had to help moms in some way. So I took a little time off to try and figure out what that meant. And no hospital would let me run a support group because I was just Leslie with no letters after my name. And um, so I went back to school and I got my master's in social work um, nights and morning classes while the kids are in school and writing papers while they're having play dates running around me. <laughs> but I got it done. And now I am working, helping the moms just like I wanted to. And I absolutely love it. It doesn't even feel like work. I, I literally just would talk to these women all day and give them coping mechanisms and strategies. Just letting them know they're not alone is so powerful because that's the most devastating part of this series, this you know, type of illness is that you think you're the only one and you think you're a horrible person. And how is this, what motherhood is like? Why didn't anyone tell me? But it's not what motherhood is like. People are starting to tell each other and being more vocal about it. And I want to help all the moms. I love that. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm curious to know, because I don't think I've asked this question of anyone yet. Um, you know, with the women that you see, 
do you, are they still telling you, I had no idea this could happen to me? Like, is that still a pretty yes. common? Yes. Wow. Yeah. So that's part of what fuels me is getting the awareness out there, getting the risk factors out there, getting the signs and symptoms out there. These women think that because they're not, you know, like a depression commercial sitting on their bed with one lonely tear down their cheek, that it's not postpartum depression. But that name is misleading. Anxiety is really the most common thing that we see and OCD tendencies and the rage that can come with it and all of these pieces that people just don't recognize as a perinatal mood or anxiety disorder, which is really the more proper way to address this scope of illnesses because it is such a spectrum. And I talk all the time about how, you know, I talked about not connecting with my older daughter. I didn't want to do anything. I did not want to diaper her. If the man who was delivering my food would have taken her, I would have said, great, bring her back whenever, right? I didn't want anything to do with her. There are some women who can't let anyone else take care of their babies. They are the only ones who can do it and they get anxiety about not doing it. And both of those are symptoms of the same complication. Those are both postpartum anxiety, but they show up in completely different ways. And that boggles my mind and is what part of what makes it so difficult to tell people what to look out for. But if they got a list of signs and symptoms, a list of risk factors, and they could just be aware that this is even a thing that is so common, we would be in such a different place, I think. Yeah, for sure. I, I agree 100%. I, everyone I talk to, um, you know, we always reflect on if I would have just known that, you know, I was at risk for it, you know, I, I could have been better prepared or at least had some sort of inkling that, you know, this might happen. And especially when you look back, I remember the first time I saw the risk factor list and I was like, check, check. Check, 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 check. I'm like, I, like there was like a hundred percent chance that this was going to happen, and nobody, right? You know, and no like one raised nobody. a flag for you. Nobody, like, just let you know, like, hey, you might not feel like yourself after you have baby. You know, give it a little time to settle, and if you're still feeling off, let us know. That's it. I think people are scared, and I mean, mental health just worries people in general. People don't like to talk about it, or. I don't know. They just, it makes them nervous. But I think people think they will give somebody postpartum anxiety or depression if they tell them that it could happen. Maybe. I don't know. Because there's no other reason to not <laughs> tell people that this is a thing. And, you know, in my dream scenario, when women are drinking the gestational diabetes drink and having this test for a complication that is so much less frequent than a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder, yet everybody talks about it, knows about it, says they have it, says they don't, gets tested and knows, while they're sitting there for those 20 minutes, they should be reading about perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. And here are the risk factors and signs and symptoms. Tuck this away and know you have it. Done. I mean, that's a great way to pitch it to providers who don't have time to talk about everything, you know? Right. Got that right. great window right there. Literally, right at the midpoint of pregnancy. It's right when, you know, like, there should just be a sheet that comes with the drink. Who makes the drink? 
I'm going to call whoever makes the drink. We're calling who makes the drink. That's it. You can't <laughs> distribute your drink without distributing this little, little, you know, risk factor sheet. It could be written on um, the bottle. That's fine. It could be on, oh, it could be on the bottle. Oh boy. I feel like there's a project on the horizon. Yeah. I really um, just think it. But yeah, know. I mean, it's so, I mean, I always felt when, you know, and, and we've been to conferences together and we've, you know, been in these same circles forever and, you know, it's, it's just amazing that, you know, you can get all these women moms together and we, and it seems like some of these solutions are just so easy and like, just, they're no brainers. Like, yeah, like this is just, this is how, this is how easy we could make it. You know, right. why is this so difficult to have happen? Or why is it so hard to screen a woman? Or why is it so hard to add this into your childbirth education class? Or, you know, it's just, it is mind, bo- mind boggling. And I, and I seem to think that you're right, that people are just scared of it. They just don't want, you know, if you're not right. familiar with it, I mean, it certainly can be extremely scary, especially the way it's, you know, portrayed on television or, you know. Right. It's sensationalized. And so right. it, you know, it, it does become really scary, but wow. I mean, such a disservice to moms. And I've always thought that, you know, that it is such a disservice that we don't talk about it and, and make families aware of it. Um, it's, it's still, it's crazy to me. Yeah, Like it's crazy it's to true. me that you, that you still have moms like that show up and are like, yeah, I didn't even know this was a thing or I didn't know. Yeah. Or, you know. or that immediately go to the extremes, right? They go to what they've seen on TV. And, you know, even when I was suffering, that was everyone's first, like, are the baby, is the baby okay? Are you going to hurt the baby? Right? Like, no, I'm not going to hurt the baby, but I just don't feel like myself. Right? Like there's such a spectrum there and people understanding that postpartum depression isn't postpartum psychosis and that you're not either on one end or the other. There's an entire range of symptoms that you can be feeling. And it's, it's scary in a sense of this isn't what I thought it would be like, and I don't like how this feels, but it's not immediately this emergency of what they've heard on the news. Right. So I know that you're in both a, a private practice setting yes. and you're also um, in a different setting that I want you to talk about because it is it's, it is pretty exciting um, at Monmouth and the, um, and the center there. Tell us a little bit about that. Okay. So I work at, so when I was doing my advocacy work and starting out just speaking out about this and having my kids, I lived in Hoboken and it's an awesome community right across the river from Manhattan. Um, and it's one square mile. So it's very kind of tight knit and it's just a great place to have babies and baby kids. Um, And while I was there, I was starting my, you know, climbs out of the darkness and just speaking out about these things. And I got to know some of the providers in the town and one of them owned a practice and I started sort of sending her women who I knew needed more help. And she was very open to, you know, obviously this community is a lot of young commuters and young professionals who are having babies. So, um, you know, it sort of led her practice down this road that she didn't necessarily picture, but is happy to be um, involved with. And so she called me when she saw I graduated and she was like, I'm just saying, if you want, (laughs) you could come and join practice, which I was so excited to do because it's really what I've always wanted to do is be on that side, helping the women that I used to kind of just commiserate with and talk to and help tangentially to really be able to do it. 
Um, and at the same time, I've always stayed in touch with Lisa Tremaine, who is the founder of the Center for Perinatal Mood and Anxiety Disorders at Monmouth Medical Center, which is part of RWJ Barnabas Health in Long Branch, New Jersey. And she kind of grassroots found her way into creating this incredible center at her hospital. She was a nurse in the labor and delivery unit. And she would say, you know, I know a lot of these moms have this complication. She had suffered herself a long time ago. I'm sure you will have her on to discuss her entire journey as well. Um, so I won't give away too much of her story, but she gradually started mentioning to people, you know, New Jersey is incredible in that it's the first state that made women take the Edinburgh before they could leave the hospital. But if I told you some of the stories of what women tell me after they take that, the doctors don't know what to do with the forms. The nurses don't know what to do with the forms. I've had women tell me a nurse looked at it, shook her head, handed it back and was like, this means a lot of extra paperwork for both of us. Maybe here's another copy, fill this one out again, right? It just meant there was no place to send these women who were saying they were already feeling symptoms in the hospital after delivery, right? And you fill that out honestly, and it's so hard to fill out honestly because you're, it's hard to even admit to yourself how you're feeling, but they did and they handed it in and were never called or never dealt with or never, you know, those, I don't know where those forms go. It's wonderful that New Jersey made you fill them out, but there was never a follow through action with it. And there are three consortiums in New Jersey. And I think people would send some through to those consortiums to get help, but it's just such a long drawn out process. So Lisa basically raised her hand and said, send the forms to me, send the moms to me. And she started a support group in the hospital and she started getting all of the forms and following up with any woman who had a score of X amount or higher and just slowly building a support group. And then it turned into having therapists on staff. And then it turned into support groups and therapists and a nurse practitioner who can prescribe medication. And it's now this amazing community. Her support groups were legendary when we were allowed to do in-person. I mean, picture a room with 20 moms, babies, strollers, eating, crying, sharing, laughing. Like it was literally the most heartwarming thing I've ever seen because if you take a mom who isn't feeling 100% and you put her in a quote unquote normal support group for new moms, she will feel even worse about herself. Watching these women breastfeed, watching them love their babies, watching them feel happy and good is actually a detriment to herself. So having a place where people can talk about these feelings that make them feel alone, but really they're not because everyone in that room relates to them is mind-blowing. Um, so after I graduated, Lisa waited a nice, I believe it was three days, <laughs> and then emailed me to say, or no, she didn't email me, she texted me, are you ready? Is it time? And you come. <laughs> um, and because of the pandemic, actually, I was able to, because now there's telehealth. And I live a little far from Monmouth to be able to do it every day, but I can do telehealth for them. I'm, I've took, I took over the groups. So I am running a nighttime group for pregnant women, a nighttime group for um, women with babies up to one year, and a daytime group for women with babies up to a year. Um, and they are incredible. It's incredible to sit there and watch the women help each other. The mutual aid that 
the ones who are still suffering get from hearing from the ones further along and the ones who are further along helping the ones that are, you know, it's just the most beautiful thing to watch and to lead and to witness. And I absolutely love it. So between, and I have private clients there too. I see clients one-on-one -on -one there too for her the other two days of the week. So I've given myself Friday as my free day, but I have two days with the practice in Hoboken, two days at Monmouth and I am loving it. <laughs> That's so great. I yeah. really want to. I really want to get up there and see this center. It just looks so. It's really amazing. awesome, and they just got permission to start having babies come back with moms. So for the past year, it's been only moms could come, no babies. Well, for a while it was nobody, right? And then they reopened it just to moms, but you can't bring your baby, which is hard. A lot of moms can't leave the baby with anybody or don't feel comfortable coming to the hospital. Like there's so many barriers there. Um, so the telehealth has actually made it even easier for women to get the help they need, right? It takes a lot of the barriers away and makes it accessible. So I hope it continues. I, I'm sure it will in some capacity um, because it really is so beneficial for moms who the thought of leaving the house to go to an appointment is too much. Yeah, and that, that was, that's a common theme that's been coming up you know, because of COVID and everything becoming virtual and how it has, you know, really eliminated some of the barriers that families face, you know, whether it's telehealth or just an online support group now that, you know, people can make it to, because yeah, I remember I couldn't even drive. Well, and sometimes, you know, especially after you have a C-section, you can't drive for what, 10 days or something. So, yeah. I mean, to be able to have that support early on and with, you know, from the comforts of your home is, is, is great. you know, it's, it's wonderful. So, yeah. yeah, so exciting. So the support groups that you run, are they, are they just for the clients there at the center or yes. they are? Okay. Those okay. are for the center moms. And, you know, there's a closed Facebook page that Lisa has for them. And, you know, she welcomes each one with the most Lisa message you could imagine. <laughs> Which, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's just amazing. And she's really made, I call it wrapping them all in bubble wrap. That's what we do. We kind of wrap them in bubble wrap. We tell them they're going to be okay, make them feel safe and introduce them to each other. And it's, it all happens from there. And the center is a couple blocks from the beach. So I keep telling my virtual group attendees, I was like, I promise over the summer, there will be a beach real group meetup and we're gonna make it happen in person because we're getting to that point now where we could do something like that and make it weather-wise work. And you know, I have my regulars. Love it. Well, Leslie, thank you. Thank You're you so, so much for sharing your story. Oh my goodness. I, no I, I appreciate it so much and, and everything that you do and totally changing and switching careers to help mamas is so much appreciated, I know. So thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you. It has literally changed my life. Like you said, you know, it just, I got, I, when I first started feeling better, I ordered my first iPad and I engraved on the back, turning my pain into passion. And that has literally been what I did. I took this, my, my other friends call it making lemons into lemon, into the best lemonade ever or something like that. There were probably some four letter words in there too. Um, but yeah, I really just went through this horrible thing and don't think anyone should ever have to. And we can help, help them through in the very least. Yeah, and in turn help a complete complete family unit because it's not just mom it affects everybody so it's 
definitely need it. Oh, well, thank you so much. I so appreciate it, Leslie. Thank you so much. No worries. Thank you.